Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let's all stand together this morning. Aren't you glad God gives you a mulligan every once in a while? Wow. Let me say something about Micah. Micah was having a congregation, uh, conversation the other day. I was standing in the midst of the congregation, and, and many of you may have heard me say about this, but uh, she was explaining to her two oldest girls who were getting ready to dedicate Lanny up here at the front as a baby. And so she's explaining to the girls, well, you know, Pastor Mike dedicated you, and he dedicated you. And then she said something that got me off guard. She said, and Pastor Mike dedicated me too. And I said, oh, let's stop there. You're making me feel really old here. But uh, what a great family. I tell you, this is an extremely great family. Um, You know, I want to talk to you this morning about uh, walk it off and walk it out. Um, How many of you know when you sit down too long, it's not a good thing? And uh, we want to talk about that this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your amazing grace, your goodness, your mercy, and your love that we've already heard about today. We love you. We praise you. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. How many of you have ever had uh, muscle cramps? Leg cramps? How many of you, they've been so severe you nearly kicked your spouse out of bed? <laughs> Literally, that is the truth. The worst time I ever had them, I shared with this with you about a year ago. Dad and I were building fence about a half a mile of fence, and it was hot about 100 degrees, and uh, I guess we didn't drink enough water, you know, and uh, whatever. And boy, I went home that night, and my legs cramped so bad. If I thought uh, crying would have helped, I would have just cried. And uh, they say, well, you need more electrolytes, you need more salt, you need this. And uh, dad drinks pickle juice, that's his remedy. And I've heard that's good, (laughs) pickle juice. And some of you like it, you're weird, but you like it. (laughs) So uh, if you've ever played sports, uh, you've had a stinger or you've had a cramp in your leg, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, track, whatever. And then the coach will come over or the trainer will come over and they'll look you over, maybe massage your leg, and then they'll say this, go walk it off. Go walk it out. And if you're in bed, you have that muscle cramp, one of the first thing I do is I have to jump out. I mean, I've got to stretch my leg out and I've got to walk this thing out because of me. And it's very severe. And so if you've ever had those, you're going to understand the message today because there are some things in your life you've got to walk out. You just got to walk it off because if you don't, it will become a greater tragedy. The Bible infers that Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening walk with God every afternoon. And one day when God came down to walk with them, Adam didn't show up. And that's when God said, Adam, where are you? And Adam said, I'm over here hiding. God said, why are you hiding? He said, because I'm naked. And God said, who told you you were naked? And uh, so that glory, that divine covering was stripped off of him when he sinned and that walk was interrupted. But the Bible goes on to say, Genesis chapter 5, 22, that Enoch walked with God. And then in chapter 6, verse 9, Noah walked with God. How many of you know you ought to be walking with God? 
and I should be walking with God. And this is a, a thing that we do. We walk out our Christian walk and we walk out our Christian life. Genesis chapter 13, the Lord is getting ready to speak to Abram, who would be Abraham. Verse 14, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes now, look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward, for all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise. Walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. If someone said to you, I'm going to give you all the land you could walk over, how many would start walking? Okay, the rest of you don't get it. Okay. If someone said, you just take off walking as far as you walk to this way, this way, this way, and this way, then that land is yours. How many of you would walk now? Okay, so uh, how large would uh, the promised land or Canaan be or that, that area that, that Abram had if he would have just walked a little bit further? So sometimes we get a little negligent in our walk and God has more for us, but he will only give us what we walk out. He will only give us what we walk off. So he says, Abram, if you will walk, I will give you everywhere you walk. Now this is reiterated in Deuteronomy when Moses is getting ready to die. He will not see the promised land. But Deuteronomy is the second law where he goes back and he rehearses what God's already said. Listen up. This is in chapter 11. Every place, verse 24, where the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours. Isn't that interesting? From the wilderness, Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even to the uttermost sea shall your coasts be. There shall no man be able to stand before you, for the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land that you tread upon as he has said to you. So here Moses comes back. He says, every place that the foot of your body, everywhere where your foot treads, everywhere where the sole of your foot treads, what is it? That's yours. So how many of you would do some walking? So he's saying every place you step, everywhere the sole of your foot treads, he said this is going to be yours. You're going to possess it. It's going to be yours. Now, one of the things we have to realize is that you have to walk out your own Christian line. It doesn't mean that you are saving yourself because Jesus saves you. Can I hear an amen? Can be smart enough, educated enough, moral enough, whatever enough. Jesus saves you, but once you're saved, he sets you on a journey. And he sets me on a journey so that when we begin to walk out our faith, this is more than just kumbaya holding hands. This is a faith walk. So we walk this thing out. Now, sometimes there are situations we get into that we get stalemated with. In 2 Kings chapter 6 and 7, we have a tremendous story about some of these ideas. And this is when the Syrian army besieges the city of Samaria. The Syrians and King Ben-Hadad comes to conquer northern Israel, and the capital is Samaria. And they come, and they set a siege around the city. And this is what they're thinking. We'll wait them out. We won't attack them. So picture in your mind, in those days, if you lived around the city, close to the city, or in the city, when the conquering army came to fight you, you would run to safety inside the walls, and that's where your last stand was going to be. That's your bastion. That's where you make your stand. So think about it. all these people in the cities, around the cities. They, they come into Samaria. The gates are locked, and the Syrian army says, we won't attack. We'll wait them out. 
So days go by, weeks go by, months go by, and all the people inside begin to get hungry because all the food storage they have is being consumed. The Bible tells us after months and months, they're eating donkey's heads. How does that sound? Honey, after service, let's go have a donkey head. I didn't think you'd like that. They're eating bird dung. They're trying to catch as many birds as they can, but whatever they leave, they're eating the dung of birds. Matter of fact, donkey's heads and bird dung are going for a high price. It gets so bad, they resort to cannibalism. They're eating their own children. Matter of fact, one mother said, we'll eat your child today, and next week we'll eat my child. The king comes by, and he hears that, and he's so gripped. But there's an unusual group that gets caught up in this horrid story. The Bible says that there are four lepers that are in this story. And most of you know the story. The lepers, if they are thinking about what could happen to them, they, they find themselves sitting. Everybody say sitting. Sitting outside the gates of Samaria. And they have this dialogue amongst themselves. They said, if we go into the city, we'll probably die of starvation with those inside. If we go to the camp of the Syrians, they're probably going to kill us. And if we sit here, we're going to die. How many of you know none of those seemingly are good options? So after a period of time, one of them says, let's get up and let's get out of the place we're sitting in. And they said it could be the Syrians would have compassion on us. And so they get up and they begin to walk toward the Syrian camp. But when they get into the camp, they find something amazing. All the Syrians are gone. That night, God had sent a sound among the Syrian warriors that sounded like the sound of a battle or an approaching large army. And how many of you know God can do a miracle whenever he gets ready to do a miracle? And so there they are, they, they're in their camp, they're waiting for the fall of Samaria, and they hear what they think are large armies coming upon them. And they have this conversation among themselves. I think Israel has hired the Hittites and the Egyptians to come and rescue them, and we think they're on their way. They leave everything and they flee for their lives. And then when those four lepers walk into the camp of the Syrians... There is absolutely no one there. They go into the first tent, and all the food's still there, the gold's there, the silver's there. And let me tell you what they do. They eat until they could hold no more. They hit some of the valuables. They go to the next tent, still full of things. They eat some more. And then they said, this is not good. All the people inside are starving. And here we are, we have all of this supply Think about possibly 100,000 men and provisions for uh, an army that size or even larger left, everything left. And then they finally decided to go in and tell them that there is plenty of food out here. All you have to do is come and get it. But listen, if they had stayed there in that place, if they had stayed there, then they would have died and possibly everybody in the city would have went through an extremely horrible, horrible time. Sometimes it's just time to get up and take some steps. Sometimes you just got to get up and move. And let me tell you, don't stay in a bad situation too long. And I think I'm talking about somebody and talking to somebody today. Don't stay in a bad situation too long. You see, they would have never known the resources that were available to them until they got up and started walking. 
They would have died a horrible death. And by going forward, not only do you help yourself, but you also help other people around you. Uh, you, you've heard this. Well, I'm not hurting anybody but myself. How many of you know that that dog won't hunt anymore? There's people around you. There's family. There's friends. There's people that you need to, uh, you know, move forward. So don't stay in a bad situation too long. And we all have them. Even the greatest men and women of God have them. You're not exempt. I'm not exempt. In, in Kings 18, Elijah has one of his greatest prophetic days, greatest day. He confronts the false prophets on Mount Carmel. Fire comes down from heaven. The drought's broken rain. But in the next chapter, Jezebel's hunting him down like a dog. And he runs. I tell you what, how can you face all these hundreds of false prophets and one mean woman sets you to running? I understand that, don't you? I deserve a better amen than that, guys. And he goes and sits under a tree and he says, God, I want to die, just kill me. And then finally he goes to a dark cave. And in that dark, dank cave, he's depressed, he feels defeated, he feels alone. I'm the only one left. And then finally God comes along and he says, Elijah, what are you doing here? He says, get up, get moving, go anoint some kings, go, go get some prophets out there. I've called you to do this. Don't sit here too long. If you sit there too long, it's going to be a bad thing for you. So it's a bad thing for Elijah, it's a bad thing for the lepers, it's a bad thing for Mike, it's a bad thing for you. And I know that sometimes there are things that we get into that aren't good. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it doesn't say I camped in the valley, it says I walked through it. You got to keep on walking, you got to walk it off, walk it out, can't stay there for too long. So here we find great men and women of God that sometimes they set too long. Do you realize there are some very negative things to a sedentary lifestyle? Okay, I'll take that as maybe, uh, what are you going to say? There are some dangers to a sedentary lifestyle, physically, emotionally, mentally. I'm glad you asked me what those are, so I'm going to give you ten. I thought you'd help me this morning, but I'll be on my own. Number one, it affects our mood. Contributes to anxiety, depression, psychological distresses. Secondly, your cancer risk skyrockets. Thirdly, we have a greater chance of dementia. Fourthly, it spikes your blood sugar, contributes to diabetes. Number five, your sex life slows down. Get to moving. You're about that much better than the early service this morning. You have sleeping problems, it heightens joint and back pain. You have weight gain, poor circulation, greater risk of heart disease. What? When you sit down, you're sedentary, you don't move, you don't walk, you don't exercise. Those are things that happen to you physically. So if we can take a physical application, apply it spiritually as Jesus did with the parables, could we learn something today? I think we can. So it behooves us. We need to be active spiritually. We need to be actively worshiping, act, act, actually giving, walking with God on the move, active prayer life, active in evangelism, reaching children, young people. More exercise in our physical body gives us health, strength. More exercise in your spiritual man gives you more strength and durability. And so we need to be on the move. We need to walk this thing out.
You can't just sit down under the tree in the cave at the gate and say things are going to get better. Sometimes God says, get up and walk this out. Don't stay there. Move through the valley. Move through the shadow. Move through the problem. Move through the divorce. Keep moving. Don't stop. If you're going through hell, don't stop. Keep walking. Walk this thing out. Let me give you six ways we walk out our Christian life. Six ways, 15 minutes. How many of you are believers? <laughs> we walk in his presence. We every day are walking in the presence of God. Genesis 17, 1, when Abraham was 99 years old, say that with me, 99 years old. Say it again, 99 years old. Did you hear what I said, 99 years old? When he was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. Every day you're walking in the presence of God. The good times, the bad times, the up times, the down times. Every day you and I are walking in the presence of God and that comforts me. God, you're with me. You know where I'm at. You know what I'm going through. I'm not alone. You're with me. I'm walking this out. And Lord, I know that you're with me. Genesis 24, Abram is getting ready to send his servant out to find a wife for Isaac. Young people, how would you like for your father to pick out your mate? Abraham's going to send his servant to find a wife for his son Isaac. And the servant is rehearsing what Abraham has said to him. This is in 24 and 40. But he said to me, the Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with you. Prosper your way and you shall take a wife for my son, from my family, from my father's house. He said, Abraham said, I am walking before the Lord. Every day you're walking out your Christian walk and you're walking before the Lord. His presence is there. Not just his omnipresence, but his intimate presence is there with you. Everyone's in the omnipresence of God, but as you walk as a believer, you're walking in the intimate presence of God. We're walking in the presence of God. Secondly, we walk in his way and we walk in his word. We walk in his way and we walk in his word. I was surprised this week as I studied this how many times God said, walk in my way. He says it again, walk in my way. He says it again over and over and over, walk in my way. And my friends, if we walk in his way and we walk in his word, then we have success in this Christian walk. We're walking this thing out. Leviticus 26, verse 3, if you walk in my statutes, keep my commandments and perform them, then I'll give you rain in its season. The land shall yield its produce. The trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last till the time of the vintage. And the vintage shall last till the time of the sowing. You shall eat your bread to the full, dwell in your land safely. I'll give you peace in the land. You shall lie down. No one will make you afraid. I'll rid the land of evil beasts, and the sword will not go through your land. You will chase your enemies. They shall fall by the sword before you. Five of you shall chase a hundred. A hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. How many of you know that's good? God said, all those are promises to you if you'll just walk in my way, walk in my word. There's seven promises there. Can I give those to you very quickly? Number one, 
He said, I'll give you rain in its season. We know what it's like to go through a drought in Oklahoma, don't we? Five years, very little, very little rain. The, 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 the rivers are drying up. The creeks are drying up. The ponds are drying up. Warica Lake is one-third of what, uh, you know, what, what, I mean, there's one-third of it left. They can't hardly even drain water out of it because the, the intake is now having to be dredged because the water is so low. But God said, if you walk in my way, I'll give you rain in its season. He says, your land, your trees, your fields will produce their fruit. Secondly, third, your food will last till the next harvest. Number four, you will dwell in your land safely. Number five, you will not live in fear. Number six, you will chase your enemies and they'll be defeated. The enemies won't chase you, you'll chase your enemies. About five or six years ago, somewhere around that neighborhood, uh, we had a couple of our people in the church that had an incident, and they handled it the very best they could, but there's some people out there that thought they didn't handle it very well, and for some reason they implicated me in the process and in their dilemma. So they called me, and they made their case, and I was not involved in it in any way. But because they went to church here, and I'm their pastor, they involved me in it. So be nice because people will implicate me in your dilemmas. And so they called me and told me how sorry these people were, which I did not agree with them. They're great and fine people. And then he began to say, well, they go to your church. I said, yes, they do. And he thought there was some kind of collusion between them and me. And maybe we need to have an investigation of collusion. <laughs> some of you get that on the way home. So he began to make some threatening remarks to me and said, you know, that next time I see him or whatever. And I said, wait, wait, wait. I said, you don't have to look for me. Where are you right now? I said, you won't have to come to me. Tell me where you are. I'll drive there right now. How many of you know he started crawdadding on that statement? <laughs> he began to back it up. But this is what the Lord said. He says, the enemies won't chase you. You will chase your enemies. Now, how does that happen? You've got to walk in his way. You've got to walk in his Word, and when we do that, he says the enemy will be defeated. Matter of fact, he said just a handful of you will defeat a hundred, and just a handful of you will defeat defeat ten thousand. How many know those are good odds in your favor? How do you get those odds? You walk in his way, and you walk in his word. The third thing is we walk in unity. Amos three three says, "Can two walk together unless they are agreed?" And the answer is no. So we want to be in unity with God. We want to be in unity with one another. How many of you know we're walking out our Christian life not alone but together? Amen. Two is better than one, right? Let me tell you, there's a lot we can do when we walk together in unity. So we're walking this out in unity. You are not an island by yourself. You are not a body by yourself. You're a member of the body. But many members make up the body and we walk in unity to see good things happen. And we can change our community. We can change our schools. We can change our city. Listen, this is more than hype and religion. This is reality. I, I'm not here for hyper-religion. I'm not here for the show. 
I'm here to walk this out every day through the good, through the bad. I want to walk this out, and you should want to walk this out. But the good news, we can walk this out together. We can walk this out in unity. When I'm down, pick me up. When you're down, I'll try to pick you up. When I'm low, lift me up. When I'm depressed, lift me up. I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be like Elijah. God, I'm the only one left. And God says, not true, Elijah. There are people around you. Look for them. Walk in unity. Paul said in the book of Ephesians, he says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. Sometimes you've got to try to do that. Here's the fourth thing. Walk in the fear of the Lord. Not much of that left anymore. Listen to Dr. Luke as he describes the early church. The early church is growing. The early church is prospering. Acts 9.31. Dr. Luke says, Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord. Say that with me. Walking in the fear of the Lord. Let's say it again. Walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Now that does not mean they did not have persecution. That did not mean that the world had somehow, in some way, really tried to impede their progress. But they were walking in the fear of the Lord. Listen, if you fear the Lord more than you fear man, you'll keep walking. If you fear man more than you fear the Lord, you'll stop. You'll get sedentary in the spirit. So what do we have to do? We have to just keep on walking, and we walk in the fear of the Lord. Not much of that is left anymore. Can you remember even when people weren't saved, they still had the fear of the Lord in them? I can remember that. They honored Christianity. They honored the the property of the church and, and the house of God. Let me tell you, we have Christians today that don't even have much of the fear of the Lord in them. They treat every holy thing as almost nothing. There's a gravity about the holy things of God. Matter of fact, the word holy and glory means weighty. So the fear of the Lord is something that we should all have. We should be walking in the fear of the Lord. Your conscience is something that you have to listen to. But if you walk in the fear of the Lord, you don't want to disappoint God. And it's not a fear that we're afraid of God. It is a holy reverence of the things of God and God himself. Matter of fact, you've watched the news this week. And last week, there were bombings in churches in the Far East. Hundreds of people dying. In sanctuaries, people going into churches, killing people at random, going into synagogues, as they did this weekend, killing people at random, no regard for the fear of the Lord, no regard to human life. That's the culture we live in. That's the culture our young people are being raised in. You know, when I was young going to church, not only did I fear the Lord, I feared my mama. I feared my daddy. They didn't have to come up and grab me on the pew. They just had to look at me. I deserve a better amen than that. They just gave you the look. And when you got home, you got more than the look. Parents, sometimes you need to put the fear of the Lord in your kids from the bottom up. Sorry, kids. The fifth thing we do is we walk in faith. Matter of fact, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. We don't walk by emotions. We don't walk by feelings. We don't walk according to our culture. We don't walk according to our own wishes and desires. We walk by faith. 
If we walk by sight, we don't need faith. We can see it, but we have to walk by faith. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So if we, if, we, if we walk in the word, then we'll also walk in faith. This is a faith walk. I'm not what I should be, but I'm walking toward that destination. I don't have exactly what I think I should have, but I'm walking to obtain it. I'm walking by faith. You ought to be walking by faith. This congregation ought to be walking by faith. There's things we want to do, we want to see, we want to embrace, we want to have victory over. And how do we do it? We walk by faith. We're not walking by sight. We're not walking by emotions or feelings. We're walking by faith. The sixth thing is we walk in love. We have to walk this out in love. Ephesians 5, 2, we walk in love. As Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a sweet-smelling aroma. Do you know what? If you walk in love, you just smell better? Yeah. Kind of. Sort of. You have that inner witness of walking in love, and it just brings that sweet-smelling aroma to your friends and your family. Folks, let me tell you, being positive and loving is better than being negative and cruel. And we want to walk in love. And we walk in love through the power of love that Christ has given us. We walk in love, walk in love as Christ who has loved us, gives us the ability to walk in that love. Now, if I walk in my flesh, how many of you know sometimes I want to bless somebody with a brick? But if I walk in love, I want to give them more than that, something good and positive and productive. So we walk in love as Christ has also loved us. And let me just wrap it up this morning. God loves you. He cares for you. But this is what I know. Sometimes in our lives, a divorce, a health issue, financial, a child, a death in your family, you've lost your husband or a spouse or mom or dad, and it just hits you and you just want to sit down by the gate. You want to get in the cave and you want to stop. And that's okay for a while. We do that and I do that. But after a while, you got to get up and start walking this out. you got to keep moving just like the trainer, the coach says, get up and walk this out. You know, this is old school. Rub some dirt on it and walk around. Because if we don't, We'll sit in a bad place way too long. Somebody hurts your feelings? Walk in love. Don't know where to go, how to process? Walk in his way, walk in his word. Don't know what's out there? Walk in faith. Just keep walking. It's when you stop that gets tough. It's when you sit down and you get sedentary in your spirit. Listen, I realize as we get older, the outward man perishes, but the inward man is renewed day by day. At 99 years old, I don't know how far Abraham could walk at 99, but let me tell you something, he's walking this thing out. I don't know what Elijah thought after he was in that cave and no one was there, only him, but after God spoke to him, you know what he did? He got out of the cave and he walked this thing out. And even those poor lepers who thought they were in a place that we call between a rock and a hard place, finally they, they got up and said, if we sit here too long, we'll die. Let's walk this out. 
And I'm challenging you today because this is what I know. All of us go through those valleys and those hard places and that depression. And, and you know, my wife's not treating me right and Carrie's going to get better. But uh, my, my husband's not doing what is right. And I have a financial issue and my job's going south and my kid's here. And, you know, I've had a death in the family. And listen, that's just life. But walk it out. Walk it out in the grace and the love and the power of the Holy Spirit. Just keep walking. Please don't stop. Just keep on walking. My dad is almost 84. He'll be 84 this year. And sometimes he tries to do too much. And I said, Dad, just leave that alone. We'll get it. And this is what he says to me. He said, Son, if I sit down too long, I'll never get back up. If I sit down too long, I'll never get back up. Sometimes we don't watch it spiritually. We sit down too long. Yeah, you need rest. You need to recover. You need to mourn. You need to grieve. But you got to get up. Got to walk this thing out. Got to keep on walking. In 1965, one of the most popular songs was sung by Nancy Sinatra. Some of you know what that song is. Some of you do not have a clue. In 1965, Frank Sinatra's daughter had one of the most popular songs of 65 and 66. These boots are made for walking. And that's just what I'll do. One of these days, these boots will walk all over you. Isn't that a good song to sing to the devil? I'm going to walk this out. You think you got me. You think I'm down. Health issue, death, tragedy, finances, marriage. But devil, these boots were made for walking. And that's just what I'll do. For one of these days, these boots are going to walk all over you. Put your foot on the head of the serpent. Not only is the land yours, wherever the sole of your foot treads, but your enemies will be under your feet. Everywhere your bonds land is yours. No, no, no. Some of you just woke up. Everywhere your bohiney sets is no, no. Everywhere you walk, Abraham. Moses is saying to the children of Israel, everywhere the sole of your foot treads, that's yours. But you can't possess it and you can't have it unless you walk it out. I'm not saying being saved. I'm saying the things of God that we need to embrace, we got to walk it out every day. Walk it out. You may walk faster than me, further than me, but as long as I'm walking, honey, I'm still moving. I'm still moving. I'm still moving. Bow your head with me. 
are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.